Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Oh, man, uh, it's a big day. and Get ready for early signing period to uh, ramp up here. And Sam Kahn Jr. joining us now, a man with great focus. He shows up at these things. Uh, he is, uh, he, he's, been, he's been very busy. Sam, I, I, boy, you got my attention. I, there's been a lot of fun things today. First of all, um, how, about, how about SMU? Uh, right back in business with a new NIL deal to uh, uh, pledging an annual contribution of over a million dollars. I love that Eric Dickerson is right in the <laughs> middle of this thing, Sam. This is, uh, this is almost too good to be true. Can, can we can we get some Trans Ams involved in this NIL program? I would love to see some SMU players in 2021 driving some Trans Ams. But uh, no, it's uh, you you knew the deep pocketed SMU alums would get uh, involved uh, here in this space. So nice to see that Eric is behind part of it because now it's all above board and everything's above the table. So uh, go wild, ponies. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I'm trying to think some of the blasts from the past. Uh, Ken Andrews is a name that comes to mind. Sherwood Blunt is a name. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like all those old uh, all those old SMU guys, uh, and some of them, by the way, Sam, were, were kind of proud of their contributions. Now, I don't know if Sherwood's ever talked to anybody. He did not participate in that uh, Pony Excess uh, 30 for 30. But some of those guys like Ken Andrews, they don't mind telling you, Sam, that they were – <laughs> they were right. They were an integral part of uh, of making those uh, contributions. Now, I, I'm excited about this. Uh, about I, I was reading about uh, Jimbo Fisher, uh, and I thought that was interesting. You caught that he had said at one point uh, he talked about how he'd be dumb to leave, recruit all these people, and then leave. But I think what you picked up on was he kind of cut off. He almost said we may recruit the number one, and he cut himself off. And we think he was about to say the the number one class in the country. Now, it, does it look like, from your vantage point and all the, your team of experts at the Athletic, Sam, that um, that that Texas A and M very well could be the number one recruiting class in the country? Yeah, it's definitely within reach. If they have a strong finish tomorrow, and of course we still have February to go too, so so some of that stuff could be in flux, but they, they could certainly exit the early signing period this month with the number one class if things fall their way. They've got a few uh, five-star and high four-star prospects still lingering out there that they're very much in the mix for. A few of them will announce tomorrow. Uh, Denver Harris, the cornerback from North Shore, Eni White, edge rusher from Philadelphia, Cam Dewberry, offensive tackle from Atascathita down here in New Houston. So there's a few of those guys, if, if they are able to get maybe those three and a couple of others, uh, and hold on to the guys they have, they, they have a real shot. And then, of course, uh, there's, there's a couple others waiting. Uh, there are Harold Perkins, who will probably wait till February. He's announcing the Under Armour All-American game. Uh, Shamar Stewart, uh, a linebacker from Florida, who's also uh, announcing at the, uh, uh, in February. So, so they are able to round up those guys. And right now they are in good position with just about all of those guys you really could be looking at the number one class in the country, which no other school outside of Alabama and Georgia has had the number one class in the last 11 years in the country. That was amazing. I saw that 11 cycles, uh, Alabama and Georgia, speaks to what they're able to do. 
Um, I, I, is, does Jimbo just I, – I, I, it's just so interesting. I think you mentioned in the, in the uh, story here about uh, the Houston area. I, I think Jimbo had a good read right when he got there. I mean, A&M used to – when they were when they were operating at their their highest back in the day, they recruited East Texas like crazy, and then of course the Houston area. And what Jimbo did is come in there and just, I mean, he's wiping up in the Houston area. Who is, Sam? Who is that like on his, other than just Jimbo? Who on his staff has emerged as like just the elite recruiter? Um, and, and I mean, cause this, this is, I, I don't think the, the difference in college station is in Austin is what it used to be. I mean, it used to be Texas would say, Hey, come to Austin uh, or you could go to Podunk college station. And, and now I don't even feel like that seems to matter to these recruits anymore. Yeah, it, it's honestly, really, I think these days it's about fit. It's about you know, where, what, what can do the most for me? What, what's my future potential against the league? Uh, and, and A&M has been helped by being in the SEC in that regard because you're playing against the conference uh, that's going to send the most players to the league. Uh, and then obviously just from a facility standpoint, I mean, A&M has always been on the forefront, uh, at least in this last 10 years, uh, in terms of facilities and in the arms race in that, that regard. And obviously, you know, just like everybody else, you know, their players have – done pretty well with NIL this year ever since it got instituted. But they've got a lot of really big-time recruiters. Uh, Terry Price, the defensive line coach, who has been there really all the way back to the Kevin Sumlin era, uh, he has been a big-time recruiter, especially on the defensive line. He was really big with them getting Walter Nolan, the number one defensive lineman in the country. Uh, James Coley, a tight ends coach from, from, uh, from Georgia that – Mm-hmm. Jimbo hired away. He's a big South Florida recruiter. Damian Craig has done a great job uh, as a as a receivers coach and recruiting receivers. Daryl Dickey, uh, I saw him down in Houston the other day. Uh, the office coordinator. He's done a good job. Elijah Robinson. There's a lot of guys on this staff. Jimbo has built a really good staff of recruiters. But on top of that, he's built a really good support staff. Uh, Marshall Malcow, who was the director of player personnel at Georgia, he hired him away in 2020 from Georgia. Marshall has led a really talented recruiting staff behind the scenes. And I think that's the one thing that separates some of the really good recruiting programs from the elite recruiting programs is the Alabamas, the Georgias, the A&Ms of the world have these really deep staff in recruiting when it comes to analysts, uh, player personnel people. Uh, you get a more eyeballs on video, and you get more hands on being able to talk to the kids and, and dial up the kids and, and stay in com- constant communication with them, a really robust social media department with graphics. That's a big part of the mm-hmm. deal, too, which Jimbo wanted to upgrade this offseason. They did that. It's a really big operation, and Jimbo's done a really good job of staffing it up with some really good people. Talking to Sam Kahn, Jr. from The Athletic, and you wrote about it. Cypress is an area of Houston that they've hit, they've hit hard. And that Cypress Bridgeland uh, Bridgeland quarterback Connor Weigman uh, that that has come in there. What do you? How do you see their quarterback uh, situation of the future? Uh, Calzada. The news came down that he's transferring out, even though obviously he became a made man with that win over Alabama. And uh, how do you? I mean, Haynes King was uh, was a starter at the beginning of the season. Is this Weigman? Is he good? Do they think, hey, he could actually uh, get in the competition immediately, or are they going to try to kind of ease him into things? 
He'll definitely compete immediately. He's going to enroll in January. I believe January 11th, he said he'll be on campus. So he'll go through spring ball. And as a five-star, they're going to give him the chance to compete. Now, would I expect him to start? Probably not. Jimbo Fisher's offense is a pro-style scheme. It, it's, he asks a lot of his quarterbacks, very demanding. I think it's hard for a true freshman to start in that scheme. I, Haynes King would probably be the favorite coming out of spring, assuming he's healthy. But also I would look at, for A&M to look in the transfer market. Uh, now that Calzada has declared that he's going to the portal, uh, I think Jimbo is a little wary of the depth and experience that they have at that position because King has only uh, started two games before he got injured against Colorado, didn't play the rest of the year, obviously. And then Wegman's a freshman, true freshman coming in. After that, all they have is a walk-on who was a true freshman this year, Blake Boast, who was the backup after King uh, got hurt. So they need another body. I, I would. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the portal. Uh, we've certainly heard that LSU quarterback Max Johnson is somebody they might pursue. They certainly have some interest in him. Uh, they could obviously look some. Uh, there are other quarterbacks out there they could evaluate too. But I, I would look for them to probably bring someone in just to give some experience and throw it in the competition. King, I think, would still be the favorite probably to start just because he won the job out of training camp and Jimbo's very, very high in him. But he, he's got to be 100% healthy uh, to get that status. You know, like if Ewers had gone in there, Wegman probably would have left or Wegman would have changed his commitment, um, uh, perhaps. I mean, you would kind of think that. And I know we haven't really mentioned A&M lately, but uh, I don't know. I always hear rumblings the Aggies thought they might have at one point thought they could have had him. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Now, at Texas, it, it, does he walk in there, and would you be shocked if, if Quinn Ewers is not the starting quarterback this fall? Do you think that's the way this thing will trend? Not, I mean, not necessarily. I think it depends on how the room shakes out. I mean, certainly you don't think Casey Thompson and Hudson Carter will both be on campus by the end of spring football. I would imagine one of them might depart, and perhaps both of them could. Uh, but if Casey Thompson hangs around, who, who he started 10 of the 12 games this year, I don't see him being scared of Quinn Ewers. And, and Steve Sarkeesian, one thing I will give him credit for, is he took great care in the quarterback competition this year with Thompson and Carr. He played them both early. Obviously, Carr won the job out of camp, but he, he switched uh, pretty quickly after two games to Thompson. I could see a scenario that's similar where Ewers and Thompson compete all offseason. Thompson wins the job, but maybe Ewers gets some playing time uh, late in games and and get some uh, time early on in the season. I, I don't. I wouldn't say that it's a shoe in that he starts. Let's remember he's technically should be a senior right now, and this should be his true freshman season that he's entering, not his second season on on a college campus because he reclassified in August. So I think he's still got a ways to go, and and certainly you're going to want to see him develop and see that raw talent is absolutely there. But the question is, is he ready to play at that level? Yeah, I mean, he got all that seasoning though at Ohio State, so he may be <laughs> he may be ready to go. Sam, <laughs> talking to Sam Kahn, uh from uh, from the Athletic, and uh, Sam, um, this is uh, there's a lot of fascinating stuff in the portal going on. Uh, Baylor as they get ready for the Sugar Bowl. I mean, I do you um, do you get a sense? Of, this is going to be interesting because Shapin played so well, but Gary Bohannon. Pr- probably will be ready to go you think he'll be a a full go uh do you do you have a sense of I mean that's an interesting situation it becomes you got this great young quarterback and then you got your veteran who probably is healthy do you think Baylor just handles that by putting Bohannon right back in there as a starter 
I would assume so, but you, you never really know. And, and obviously that's up to Jeff Grimes on how he feels, uh, how, how, just what kind of health status Gary is. Like, is, is he 100%? Does he have any restrictions when he runs on that hamstring? Because Gary's running ability is such a big part of, of the offense when Grimes is in there. He was real strategic about using him on third down or in the red zone to, to move the chains. And uh, I, I think assume, assuming that he's 100%, yeah, I would think Gary is still the guy. Uh, I mean, Blake, Blake, I thought, played well. He was fantastic the couple games that he had to start. And I, I was really impressed that when he had to come in uh, midway through, I think it was a Kansas State game, it didn't seem like, to me, the offense missed a beat. And, and I thought he was impressive with the way he drew the ball down the field. But, and I guess I wouldn't be shocked if they both played. But I, I think Bohanna would probably be the starter if he's 100% ready to go. But I think the, the interesting thing to follow will be what happens in this offseason – and are, are they both going to be back? Uh, and how is that going to be handled throughout spring? I think that's going to be the close thing to watch. And, of course, you've got Kyron Drones as well, the really super talented freshman who I know they're really high on as well. All right. Well, our resident tech expert, um, as, they, as they call him, uh, Sam Kahn, uh, joining us. And, uh, Sam, your final uh, – I guess you'll do one more final rankings after, after bowl season. But um, – that's uh, that's interesting. If if Baylor played Texas A and M right now, um, and I know both both teams, especially Calzada leaving A and M, might have a question in this bowl game. But would you would would you put that thing close, or would you have Baylor favored by two or three? I I don't know. This thing just popped into my head, especially since you kind of rank all these teams on a weekly basis. Would would Baylor be favored against Texas A and M? On a neutral field, or would this be a pick'em situation? Yeah, I, I think by, I think that I'd probably have him a two or three point favorite, just because A and M was beat up at the end of the season uh, physically. They, they obviously, what you know, I, and I'm, I'm saying that assuming that Calzada is not on the portal, assuming that he was the starter, they they were just a little inconsistent down the stretch. And they're a super talented team with a deep defense, but I just think that uh, that Baylor was playing at a little bit higher level down the stretch and and even with Shapin uh, at quarterback I, I think I would give them I wouldn't make them the slight favorite but AM's defense is so good that that keeps them in just about any ball game so it, I think it would be something very similar uh, in terms of score to what you saw with Oklahoma State and Baylor something in the 20s low 20s uh, something of that sort I think it would be a very knockdown drag out physical game between those two all right, that's that's going to be your next column where you just make up random bowl matchups that aren't happening and and uh, and, and discuss each one. Hope you get to uh, make it to New Orleans. Do you, are you going to be able to uh, work us into your New Year's plans? Absolutely, I will be. I will be at the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Got to finalize the day that I'm getting there, but I am definitely going to be in New Orleans enjoying that one. Okay. All right. We might get out and see if we can uh, find uh, find some uh, decent seafood. Uh, around the French Quarter, and uh, that'll be a, that'll be a good time. Sam, I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. No problem. Thanks for having me, as always. Sam Kahn Jr. from uh, the Athletic, doing his thing out there, and uh, man, that is uh, that, that, that Texas A and M thing. There's a lot to be excited about if you're an Aggies fan. I mean, 